0: Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, with your WWE Extreme Rules Ultimate Preview Edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back. Once again, we're here to talk everything that happened in WWE this week, we'll be talking about SmackDown. Raw, some things that happened off the screen, but before the show is over, we will have an ultimate preview for WWE Extreme Rules, the company's third, I believe, pay-per-view back since they are uh, back in front of fans full-time, let me see, July, August, September, yep, third full-time pay-per-view, and it's going to be a quick turnaround coming out of this, because yes, there will be WWE Crown Jewel coming up. Uh, sooner uh, than later uh, in October. I don't even know if there's another October pay-per-view or not. Uh, But then soon after that, WWE Survivor Series in November. We are already off and it seems like building to that. So there's a ton to talk about today in this show. We're going to have a main event. We're going to have the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we will have the WWE Extreme Rules Ultimate Preview with timestamps for each segment. So if you're listening to this show, Uh, you know, Friday or Saturday, right before the pay-per-view. All you need to do, check the episode description and jump to the timestamp for the ultimate preview of the pay-per-view. But before we get to any of that, we got to take care of a little business because the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. is all about the five. We're all about the five here. We want those five-star ratings and reviews. So please head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Tell people why you love this show so much. Those ratings and those reviews help us out immensely as we try to grow this podcast. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast. There is no better week, really, to follow us on Twitter than a pay-per-view week, because not only will we have our normal episode announcements and our live tweets during every major wrestling TV show, we will have pre- and post-show polls ahead of the pay-per-view so you can let us know what you think uh, going into and coming out of WWE Extreme Rules. And Sunday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, live on Twitter Spaces, we will have a free last-minute WWE Extreme Rules pre-show. It'll be 30 minutes. It will end before the official kickoff show begins so you will not miss a single second of WWE Extreme Rules. The way to do that is to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. You join our live audio stream at 6.30. Not only do you get to listen along, the final five to 10 minutes of the show, you get to ask questions live on air if you choose. We read them or we uh, respond to them and answer your questions. So every reason to follow us on Twitter this week at Getting Overcast. So, hey, let's get to the show. Let me welcome in vintage Chris Vanini, the second here on the Getting Over uh, Wrestling podcast. Chris, uh, we had a really interesting week at WWE TV. Um, We had the worst SmackDown in months, at least in my opinion, maybe a year. Uh, There was basically nothing redeeming about it. Almost nothing felt like it got set up better for Extreme Rules. They suddenly booked a match for Raw that we thought, might happen at Survivor Series though to be fair by the time Raw did roll around the booking made more sense overall though I thought Smackdown was a pitifully booked show and pretty insulting following up an incredible Madison Square Garden show two weeks ago and then we have on Monday night we have Raw that for the second straight week credit to them they gave us a strong episode from start to finish I said on last week's show that Raw was the best we got in months and I think this week's show was even better than that. Every men's segment on Raw worked, and it was three entertaining hours of television for a change, and clearly they're making an effort to combat Monday Night Football, and this happens, of course, every single year, where in September, Raw tries to put its best foot forward. And just wrapping no, up here... No it's,
1: no, it's solely in response to AEW, <laughs> Right, of course, right. Um, and and last know. thing, let me wrap up here just on
0: this random intro that I'm giving you of general thoughts for the week. The worst thing about WWE this week, both shows combined was the women's booking. There were four women's matches across both shows, one on SmackDown and three on Raw. All of them were two minutes or less. Uh, So there were four women's matches that lasted a grand total of eight minutes, which is what one match should last. And that includes a title change that was completely telegraphed. We'll get to that later. The women did have good talking segments, but that's another story. So, Chris, you got my general thoughts on the week. Do you agree? Disagree? Where do you stand on what WWE gave
1: us in television this week? I I mean, we've had two the last four shows, starting with the Madison Square Garden show. Three of the four have been incredibly eventful. You had Brock Lesnar and a bunch of stuff happening in Madison Square Garden. You had Biggie winning the title. Last Monday, you have the Bloodline versus the New Day, plus a triple threat on this Monday. You know, you didn't like SmackDown. Obviously, not a lot happened. But overall, WWE seems to be pivoting toward let's just do big things on TV and figure out the rest later. And that's not a bad plan. Honestly, I think it's a good plan. Raw last night did not feel like three hours. They just they just gave us a, a lot of good stuff that I was looking forward to and was interested in. And then the show ends and you're like, oh, all right, so you can do that. You can fill a show with interesting stuff and make us watch it. Now, I don't Now Obviously, I don't want Raw to be three hours, but I've I've sensed a major shift in WWE over the last week and a half, the last four shows where they're just they're throwing everything out there right now. And I think that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing to
0: try. Don't get me wrong. The question is, does it work within the confines of your storytelling? And I think when it comes to Raw, it does because they made a title change with a cash in the main event scene there is all messed up right now because of that. So it doesn't really necessarily matter what you do as long as it works out in the end. On the SmackDown side of things, you now have Universal Champion Roman Reigns and and I don't want to get into too much detail, but the guy has like five challengers right now, Um, all for different reasons and in different varieties. And that's also kind of okay to set up things for the future. Mm -hmm. But it does seem like WWE's throwing a lot at the wall that doesn't need to all be thrown at the wall at the same time. It's like they're crowding the space. It's like it's like when you're in a home and you're like deciding pictures to put up on a wall. Right. Um, Generally, you space them out. For reasons, because you don't want the eye to be too distracted from too many things in one spot. That means no individual thing gets to stand out that much. Like if you go to an art gallery or a museum, everything's spaced out a certain length from each other. That way you can appreciate it. And sometimes with WWE these days, it feels like they're shoving too much together on the screen. There's too many matches on TV. Look, do I love when Raw gives us three women's matches and they're all between eight and 17 minutes? I love it. I do. And the, and Raw, by the way, frequently does that. This problem that I mentioned is a new problem on Raw in particular. But when you have three matches that are two minutes or you have three matches that are roll-up finishes, that didn't happen. I'm just saying. Um, it, it, it's, it's unnecessary. Give us quality, not quantity, and ensure that that quality rotates every week. Don't just throw it all in my face at one time. So yeah, it was an odd not, week in my opinion.
1: You're you're not wrong, but I'm on board with this experiment. I, I I mean, I especially on Raw, do not trust their storytelling at all. So if they're just if and, and they're not giving us, you know, rematched city here like they did for a while. Raw mm-hmm. Raw has been garbage for a year plus. Yes. The last two episodes if they're just going to throw everything out there and see where it goes, I'm on board for now. M- maybe down the road it doesn't work out, but It feels like they're really trying. Well, I agree with you on And it hasn't felt like that for a while.
0: No, I agree with you on Raw. It feels like they're trying. It does. And actually, this entire month, the last four weeks, they've stopped with the rematches. That's not saying there's none. That's not saying there's none. But there were weeks where there was like six rematches in one show. Um, Most weeks now, it's zero, one, or maybe two. But usually if it's two, there's like a circumstance where it makes sense for them to do it. And that's okay. Rematches are okay. It's when you have Big E and Apollo Crews fight, I'm not like exaggerating, 17 times in one year on TV, either singles or in mixed matches, you know, tag teams, things like that. That's when it gets ridiculous. It's when you have, um, you know, Miz and John Morrison, their feud didn't even start before the Miz got dancing with the stars. But, you know, there was a scenario where that match could have happened eight times in a row, right? And you, yeah. we've seen it with Damian Priest, Miz and Morrison. They fought each other in yes. some combination 15 times. He, The guy has, I think he's like 17-0 in singles matches on Raw, but like 15 of them are against Miz or Morrison, right? So the repetitiveness has stopped. And yes, they deserve credit for that. And yes, Raw has been really good the last two weeks. But this past week, for me, at least in my opinion, it came with a much downgraded SmackDown and a significantly downgraded women's division. And we like women's wrestling in WWE. I want them to get an opportunity. I would much rather have a 15-minute, that that women's tag team match we got on wrong. I'd rather have that for 15 minutes and no other women's matches for three hours than three two-minute matches.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you're you're not, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying there aren't things that need to be, Changed, but it just it feels like w- WWE shows feel different the last two weeks, and we'll see if it continues. Obviously, a lot of it is tied to um, Monday Night Football, but you know AEW doesn't have a pay per view every month, and so they schedule a lot of big stuff on TV and in random stuff with not a lot of build, often or one week's worth of build, and. WWE kind of seems like it's doing that the last couple of weeks, and I'm intrigued. So I, I'm curious to see where it goes forward. I have been a lot more interested in the television product of WWE the last couple of weeks, um, mostly Raw, than, than I have been in a while. SmackDown's been great. SmackDown actually is up and down a little bit recently. But but overall, each show, I feel like the last couple shows, I'm going in saying, hey, anything can happen here. We got a title change last week. We got the Bloodline versus the New Day this week. You know, hey, may- maybe anything can happen when I tune into Raw or SmackDown. And that, this was exactly—it's exactly what they need to be doing.
0: This was the first week in a long time I did not dread watching Raw on Monday night, and mm-hmm. that's—I'm a huge NFL fan. I gamble on the games, um, so I'm watching Monday Night Football. I'm watching Packers Lions. But you know, normally last year. I was like, oh, man, I got to watch the- Raw simultaneously with football. You know, na- last night I had Raw on the main TV. I had Packers Lions on the secondary TV. I- I'm just saying. Um, yep. The other thing is WWE, and we'll get to the main event in a second. Uh, they are not just competing against the NFL, right? And yeah, I know the AEW stuff like that Meltzer keeps propagating, whatever. Keep, keep Enjoy that, even though they don't, they're not on the same night, not on the same time. And one does not directly affect the other. But sure, just. Keep going on that. Um, last night, Monday night, the following was the competition to Raw. If you were wondering why they decided to book Roman Reigns and the Usos on the show, which, by the way, was booked for like months because Roman was not going to go on the UK tour. They sent Drew McIntyre on the tour and Jinder Mahal. That's why they weren't on Raw. Um, not only Monday Night Football Week 2. Dancing with the Stars season premiere, The Voice season premiere, NCIS season premiere. So every network had a season premiere for a flagpole show, in addition to Monday Night Football happening. And now you have Monday Night Raw, which is already lower rated than SmackDown, trying to keep their head above water. So if you're wondering why WWE may be booking exceptionally strong or trying to quote-unquote hotshot book things for Raw, that's your reason. It ain't AEW, folks. It's the direct competition on Monday Night and they don't want their rating rating to go into a toilet, which, by the way, it still may anyway, because you could book the hell out of Raw, and I don't know how you beat all of that. Like, forget beat, uh, compete with not losing people to yeah. some of those shows is what I'm talking
1: L- about. Yeah, like like the ratings really dropped off last week, even though Biggie won the title. It would have been a lot worse if that hadn't. Right, happened, hour three was hour three was the biggest hour. But 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 you know what? Yeah, that's that's competition. Forcing WWE to try harder, and that's a good thing.
0: Right. It may not be the competition we thought would force WWE to try harder, but it's still competition forcing WWE to try harder. Okay. Uh, that's one of the longest intros we've ever done, but I thought it was good content. So hope you all enjoyed. Lastly, really quick before we get to the main event, I know you guys want us to talk about Dark Side of the Ring, the Plane Ride from Hell episode. I have not seen it yet. Chris has. Okay. Um, it's been busy. We got football. We're working. Things are going on right now. Our plan as of right now is to talk about that episode of Dark Side of the Ring. On next Tuesday's show, we're going to be coming out of Extreme Rules. We'll only have Raw to talk about, which theoretically should give us plenty of time to cover an additional topic. And that topic will be Dark Side of the Ring. I'm a big fan of that show, by the way. Um, I've seen every episode up until the start of this season. For some reason, like Vice was pulled from my TV package I didn't make an effort to go watch it online. I do want to watch, and I am going to watch all those shows. I still also have three A&E biographies left. I've watched <laughs> the rest of them, um, but I will not go in order. We will watch Dark Side of the Ring, Plain Ride from Hell, and we will talk about it next week. You good with that? Yep. Yep. Sounds good. Okay. That is the plan uh, for next week. The plan for this week right now is to slide into the main event. And this is a single-topic main event that we're going to cover in multiple parts because it took up the vast majority of SmackDown and Raw, and that is the burgeoning feud between the Bloodline and the New Day. So we'll start with SmackDown. We'll go to Raw, Chris. I got a lot of takes on this thing. I got to tell you, I have, I have a lot to say here. All uh, Let's try to go through it as much as quickly as we can. So SmackDown opened with the Bloodline and Paul Heyman uh, saying Reigns fears no one but men, beasts, and demons. All fear him. Heyman said he saw fear in Brock Lesnar's eyes and Finn Balor needed to summon the demon just to compete with Reigns. Uh, Biggie then showed up celebrating his title uh, in new absurdly great Fuji's gear. I don't know if you noticed that, but the ring gear was incredible. Then Finn Balor came out and that was it. Like they just came out and nothing happened. Then SmackDown comes back from commercial and they're fighting the Usos in a championship contenders match we got no explanation for Big E being there, no promos, and then we get a match with basically stakes in it, despite neither Big E nor Balor going after the tag team titles and the Usos already having number one contenders in the street profits. Now, when it comes to SmackDown, we're really positive about storylines involving the Bloodline. I just got to say this was a mess. Reigns' entrance and the highlights from last week's show took 7 minutes, which is literally taking time away from other people on the roster to do things on the show, such as I don't know the women being able to wrestle for nine minutes instead of three minutes.
1: Look, like uh, I love Ro- I love Roman's entrance. I love his theme. It's one of my honestly one of my favorites of all time. But it takes too long. Sometimes they have Roman come out. And they go to a video package, com- they, they come
0: back to- and he's still walking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well. sometimes we go to commercial and they come back and he's standing in the ring and then you go forward that that seems like if, if it's going to take that long, like I took a video of it at Money in the Bank when I was there. It's like a five minute video of <laughs> him doing his entrance. It's 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 too long, man. I, I get it. But on a two hour show when a lot's getting cut, we got to figure out ways to cut this thing down.
0: <laughs> it's it's every week. And, and again, this was an entrance and a video package. So it's seven yeah. minutes. Yeah. And you're just you're, you're into the show and like it goes to commercial and nothing has happened, really. Like yeah. literally nothing happened before the first commercial. Uh, so it's taking time away from the rest of the roster. And the match, this match and its label, we'll talk about it itself. Like what happened? It didn't make any sense. And I thought the start of SmackDown was really a microcosm of the entire show. It was a mess. We never got resolution between directly Biggie and Roman Reigns over the remainder of the show. And then we got a match, Chris, and I'll go into it right now since you didn't talk about it, and then we can talk about it all together. A-, a championship contenders match between two people that are not a team that gave no reason for wanting to fight the Usos. So we get Biggie and Finn Balor against the Usos. Jay caught Biggie with a Samoan drop. Biggie caught him with a Uranagi. Balor took Jimmy out with the coup de gras, and Biggie hit the big ending on Jay for the one, two, three. So WWE had the SmackDown Tag Team Champions lose for no reason against a thrown together team that is not going after the titles. Now, certainly you could not have had Biggie and Valor lose this. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is don't even do the match or have them challenge Reigns and have Reigns give a reason and say, guys, I ain't fighting you. My cousins will like any other way that this could have been constructed would have been better having the match and not having it be championship contender and finding out that during the commercial break, a challenge was issued. That would have been okay too. It made no sense. The match seemed fun. Half of it happened during a commercial. So we didn't even get to enjoy the fruits of the poor storyline with an entertaining match because we didn't get to see it. Chris, you got you know I'm usually pretty positive with the bloodline stuff. This whole thing was nonsensical to me. It felt like I was watching a dark match. Instead, it was the start of a national TV show.
1: Yeah, like instead of the long Roman entrance, give us the setup to the match. I'm OK that the match happened. Like I said, I like that they're tr- trying to give us big stuff, but you got to build it a little bit. <laughs> you can't just come back from a commercial and it's happening. So I I, I think that would have been you, you could have added a little bit more in that segment to set it up. And honestly, this was an issue on, Mon- on, on Raw a little bit to me as well. But You're getting so excited that you're going to do a big match. I understand you. I understand not doing a big story to it, but you got to have a little bit more in there. I think reasoning and storyline and and little things like 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 need a story doesn't mean we need a month long build. No,
0: you're right. A story is basically Balor. I don't want to wait till Sunday. Biggie's like, I want action tonight. And Roman's saying, okay, fight my cousins. Like, that's all you need. Literally. Yep, exactly. That's it. And, And they didn't have the guys talk, the faces. It was just it was a mess. Um, So, okay, so that match ends and I'm starting SmackDown, not in a great mood. Uh, Reigns asked Heyman backstage if there's anything he needs to know. Heyman promised Reigns he had no idea Lesnar would be at SummerSlam, guaranteeing that Lesnar fears him and predicting that Lesnar would not be at Extreme Rules. Reigns said he didn't pay Heyman to guess. Kayla Braxton told Heyman that sources told her Lesnar would head to Raw in the WWE draft which I thought was weird, um, because how can they control that if it's a draft? It's, you don't know what the order is, and you don't know who's going to take who, right? They never, so, expl-
1: they never, unless they do the literal draft like they started with, there's no explanation for anything on that stuff, and I really wish they would just have some basic rules. Like, like when we had two authority figures, you could trade people, you could figure it out. Do a
0: dra- yeah, you have
1: pick order, you know, it's two versus, you know, SmackDown gets two picks,
0: Raw gets three. Well, what if on SmackDown's two picks, they take Reigns and Lesnar? If you're SmackDown, why wouldn't you? So I just right. I just thought it was weird that she said that. But I get it. They were trying to tease, hey, sure. Raw's about to get better. You're going to have a monster on your show yeah. And by the way, that's really scary considering Big e's champion. We'll get to that. that. That's a whole other thing for another day. Let's see what happens in the draft. Um, Big E stalked Heyman again. Heyman congratulated him on winning the title. Said he made a smart decision not going after Reigns. Big E told Heyman he couldn't wait for Survivor Series to fight Roman. Um, if Balor or Lesnar did not beat Reigns first. The Usos attacked Biggie and completely laid him out as Reigns looked down on him backstage. So this seemed to me like a clear sign New Day versus Bloodline would go down at Survivor Series. Instead, WWE announced it was happening Monday on Raw. So my take at the time was that the first 30 minutes of SmackDown was only building to a match on Raw and not one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year for which it would have made sense to build it that way. Now, as things transpired Monday, it seems like maybe that has potentially changed, but also maybe not, and that all depends on what happens at Extreme Rules. Worse, though, is that WWE did not need that tag team match to accomplish any of this. The match was completely worthless. It paid no meaning into SmackDown or Raw. Now, was this gonna be a home run on Monday, the six-man? Of course it was gonna be, and we'll get to that in a moment. But if we're being honest, we really wanted New Day at blood and versus Bloodline at Survivor Series, or at least Reigns versus Big E at Survivor Series, the latter of which could still happen, the former of which seems like it won't.
1: Yes, um, that's most likely. And that's not a bad thing. You know, we got all excited last week about Bloodline versus New Day, like literally goosebumps thinking about that for Survivor Series. And so it's different. Little underwhelming, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to like the end result.
0: So that was basically it on SmackDown as far as this storyline goes. There was something with the Street Profits. Uh, They're going to be fighting the Usos at Extreme Rules. We will cover that in our Extreme Rules Ultimate Preview. I did forget to mention that anything that happened on Raw and SmackDown that relates to the pay per view, we will go over in the Extreme Rules Ultimate Preview. So if you don't hear it in the main event, you don't hear it in the good, the bad, and the ugly, that is when we're going to get to it. So let's move over to Raw now where Biggie opened with a championship celebration, which was really just a red carpet. I thought like there'd be balloons or, you know, uh, like standing things or, you know, all the unicorns or pancakes or all the stuff that New Day does. There was nothing there. Uh, the crowd gave him a Biggie chant, and then a you deserve it chant. Biggie thanked the fans and then he thanked one friend in heaven and the fans started a Brody chant for Brody. Lee, that was which, very that was so cool, which was really sweet. Um, then he called out the bloodline who made Roman reigns five minute entrance. That's okay on raw because they have three hours uh, ahead of the match. It was just strange that WWE didn't build this, as I said earlier to a pay-per-view caliber match, but it made sense later. Like I I thought this match was going to happen in the main event of the show, the six man and for them to do it as the first match I thought was, it made sense because they wanted to keep ratings away from Monday night football and all the other stuff we're just talking about. But at the same time, it's like, wow, how are you doing this match at 815, right? It didn't make like, sense.
1: Like, uh, I, my thought was there was so much history between these guys. Like, I really wish the video team, WWE has like the best video team in the, in the business. They could have put together a two minute, three minute trailer for this match, essentially, But before getting into it. And I think that would have really gotten it because we want this to be a main event match. This is a pay-per-view main event match and opening Raw is just like, Egh. and I get why. And it came out and, you know, they did the stuff later, but it's just like I, I felt like, again, you could just do a little bit more to make it feel like a bigger deal. But I get why because of the main event.
0: Yeah, it did make sense in the end, but we're sh- also just sharing our, our thoughts at the time as it's happening. Like, oh, you know, this, this is a letdown. It felt like a letdown, but it ended up not being a letdown, which is, of course the Goal, and that's a good thing. So, we got New Day Bloodline right off the top of Raw. Reigns grabbed Kofi Kingston out
1: of the ring and just fucking killed him outside. I mean, he just murdered Kofi, <laughs> yeah. Like, it that looked like a <laughs> lot more physical than we normally see. I was like, Whoa,
0: it was it was Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley esque, like it was, yeah, a monster human being just killing a smaller guy. It was pretty cool. Uh, Reigns and E uh ended up getting tagged in and they got the crowd on their feet squaring off. E hit two exploder belly-to-belly suplexes and a regular one, but Reigns caught him with a uranagi for a near fall. Big E counters Superman punch with another belly-to-belly and added a running splash, but the Usos interrupted the big ending. E tagged out, Reigns hit the Superman punch, and then Xavier Woods hit a super kick and got a 2.5 count on Roman frickin' Reigns. Suddenly, Bobby Lashley runs down the ramp, spears Big E, helicopters Kofi into the ring post, and destroys both Usos. Woods got distracted and Reigns hit him with the spear for the win. Then Lashley speared Reigns as he celebrated and speared Biggie again through the barrier. So Bobby Lashley, former WWE champion, just took out six dudes on his own. <laughs> Mostly positives here, I gotta say. Yeah. Biggie's promo was tremendous to start the show. The face off felt between E and Reigns felt like a sign of things to come. The match was really fun. Woods getting a near fall on Reigns after actually beating Lashley a few weeks ago. That was interesting. The problem with the entire thing, it felt like the main event was over 30 minutes into the show, and that was with two commercial breaks. I didn't expect a 40-minute banger by any means, because you'd want to save that for down the line if they do it at Survivor Series or if they just run it back later. But I figured we'd get more than what we got. Now, like I said, and like we'll talk about, it did make sense later. Finally, as far as the finish goes, I loved it. Interference is fine when it makes storyline sense. Yeah, This made complete storyline sense. Particularly good was Lashley being so angry that he didn't discriminate who he attacked. I mean, the dude speared Reigns' ass in addition to everyone else. So Lashley looked like a monster. We got good teases and we did get the match that we were promised with a finish that was not a disqualification. And I know that's a low bar, but it's true. Uh, and that's a win. I think it could
1: have been incredible. It wasn't, but it was very good. So is there no disqualification in a six-man tag? Is that? So th- that it's, was it's a, was That was, was the thing like, kind of jumped up to me. So here's the deal. So, okay. It,
0: I've seen it both ways in wrestling, where if you're not the legal competitor, you can get involved in things without being disqualified. So like, yeah, I, I mean, a tag team it, partner can pull another tag team partner off the ropes. A manager can do something. Someone can get attacked and the match doesn't end. However, I've also seen it where it is a disqualification. So I think yeah. it's just one of those rules that WWE uses as it wants
1: to. It's it just it popped up to me at the time. Like I know triple threat matches, you know, there is it's, are automatically no DQ, which I hate that rule. But it is what it is. So that was my first thought in the end. Doesn't really matter. It's nitpicking there. I was worried With Lashley losing, I was going to say, what's next for him? Where does he go from here? He's this big monster. If he has another match with Big E, he probably loses. Then what happens? You want to know how you protect a guy? You do what you just did on Monday night and have him take out six freaking dudes, including four champions out of the six, and lay waste to them and look like a monster. That's the exact kind of interference that makes sense makes a guy look good and sets something up for later in the show. Beautifully done. The no DQ notwithstanding. That was great. Bobby Lashley looked like a million bucks. And I think that all worked really well.
0: It did work extremely well. So after the attack, uh, we had Lashley storm into Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville's office with what I believe was his singular best promo of his entire WWE career. He claimed he got screwed last week, he could dominate Big E, he could dominate Reigns, he could dominate both of them together, and he didn't make what I expected to be a demand for a pay-per-view title rematch, right? That's what you would expect to come after that. Lashley was killer. He was on point with every single line. It was by far the most natural I can remember him ever speaking, and he came off like a total monster. Then a few segments later, we had Big E run in, he demands to fight Lashley on Raw, Then Heyman enters the office, shocked that Lashley and E could treat Pearson DeVille like garbage and get away with it, which is so typical (laughs) Heyman. And he's about to make a demand from Roman Reigns when Pearson DeVille shut him up and they announced there's going to be a triple threat main event on Raw, which, holy shit. (laughs) Big meaty man slapping me. (laughs) And what an incredible, Chris, piece of booking for television.
1: Yep, totally. I am a big fan of somebody walking backstage for a while before going into a room and doing something as opposed to like that camera shot where it's just Sony and Pierce and someone just walks up beside them. It was like a little thing that added a lot to the whole bit because it felt like Lashley just got finished. He's walking backstage and now he's going to go say what he wants. Like, Like, It was just segmented well. It made sense for everybody involved. Pearson Deville showed some fire as well with the Heyman stuff. They weren't just being, yeah, pushovers, and there was intensity to all of this. I it, my biggest complaint about WWE's product in general is a lack of intensity too often, especially in promos and stuff. So to see three people just really kind of fire it up got me really excited for the main event. I said, "Holy crap, we're gonna get this tonight!" After we already got New Day versus Bloodline, and that's when I'm like, "All right, Raw's just." going to give us awesome stuff for a bit here. And we'll see where this goes. And I don't know what it means two, three, four weeks down the road, but this is the second week in a row. Raw is giving me something major, two things this week. it got me excited. Yeah. And with the draft,
0: it's almost like you can do stuff like this now. And some of it may not matter, right? Like if Lashley gets his opportunity with Big E, um, but then Big E beats him, it's not like we have to worry maybe about Lashley having rematches because if Brock is going to be on Raw, Lashley's probably going to be on SmackDown. That's going to be really interesting because now you have a rejuvenated Bobby Lashley over on SmackDown. Um, Mm -hmm. By the way, now that I'm saying all of this, I'm also realizing next week's show probably needs to be our WWE mock draft. We'll have to figure that out. Maybe we'll do Mm. a separate second show, a special episode. I don't know. Um, But the draft factors into all of this as well is my general point. Uh, So anyway, let's let's stay here. Main event, Roman Reigns versus Big E versus Bobby Lashley. Ho ho! the ring The beef's gonna be tonight, gentlemen. The beef flew. Spoiler alert in this match. So Biggie touches the ring. The match starts. He splashed Lashley on the ring apron. Lashley countered Reigns' drive-by with a stiff clothesline. Biggie then ran under Reigns for a super duperplex with all three guys crashing down. E went on a run again uh, against Reigns when Lashley pulled him out of the ring and threw him into the barricade. Lashley hit a face buster and vertical suplex on Reigns for a near fall. Biggie countered a dominator into a belly-to-belly suplex on Lashley, then lined up both guys, hit his running splash. Lashley got E with the almighty spinebuster. buster. E countered the Superman punch into a big ending, but Lashley pulled E out of the ring and hit the almighty spinebuster buster through the commentary table. Reigns then countered Lashley's spear with a Superman punch and got a near fall. Lashley countered Reigns spear with one of his own. E made the save. Reigns saved E from the Hurt Lock with a Superman punch. Then he dodged Reigns' spear outside, following with a absurd Tope a spear knocked him all the way out of the ring. E then hit the big ending on Reigns. And we thought for a second he might actually beat Roman Reigns clean. Lashley came in with the steel chair, to your point of triple threat, no DQ matches being automatic. Beats the shit out of Biggie with the steel chair. Um then he basically forgets he's in a match, turns around. Reigns catches him distracted with a spear for the 1-2-3 on Lashley to win. This was a strong and entertaining match. And I guarantee you, Chris, Vince McMahon had one thought watching backstage. There's a lot of beef out here. There was a lot of beef out there. It was a bit overplayed, uh, the chair finish, given WWE does that all the time in matches like this. But if it creates a clean, you know... Chairs match between Biggie and Lashley for the WWE title at Extreme Rules, which is possible, has not been announced yet. That would make sense. I especially liked how Biggie was treated in the match. He essentially had Reigns defeated twice, only for both falls to get broken up. And he didn't eat the pin in the end. You want to save E over Lashley for the rematch. You want to save E versus Reigns no matter which way they go for if they fight at Survivor Series or another time. Reigns over Lashley was the only way this could have ended. I thought they did a really good job protecting Lashley in the finish. This was a very strong, very good match. I went four stars in an A-. minus. It wasn't next level. It wasn't um, something where I was left wanting more. It was just one of those. It was superbly done. It was not extraordinary, but it was
1: very, very entertaining. Yeah, I'd give it that same grade. And more than anything, Raw gave us a... Pay-per-view main event style match to close the show and gave us a clean finish. You know, we 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 do not often clean get enough that from yes. WWE. Clean enough. I mean, there's no DQ, so
0: I know within the rules, but
1: yes, yeah. yeah. So like it's somebody pinning somebody. It wasn't an interference. It wasn't a distraction. It was just straight up. He beat him, and the the guy with the chair is the guy who lost. So that's we we again we don't get that kind of thing from WWE very often, especially on Raw. So. Yeah, I, I loved every minute of this match. It was a lot of fun. Love seeing these guys together, all the meat flying around there. And yeah, we, we we got an awesome tag match to start the show. We got a awesome triple threat with a clean finish to end it. And, you know, again, if WWE is going to be doing this kind of stuff week to week, I'm going to be very, very happy. So uh, awesome stuff all around. Absolutely.
0: So, I mean, that's really the main event, right? Because there's no real further takeaways about all this. And we're not going to know where things are going until after Extreme Rules. You know, we can hypothesize about um, Survivor Series. Are we going to get Roman Reigns versus Big E? Are we going to potentially get New Day somehow winning the tag team titles and fighting the Usos on that show? Uh, Although I will say RK-Bro against the Usos sounds like an incredible match if they both keep the titles. Um, There's just so many different questions about what is going to happen next in WWE. I mean, Roman Reigns himself has two title matches set up. He has Finn Balor on Extreme Rules. And if he retains the title, a title match against Brock Lesnar. And I will give credit to WWE because I don't think we've mentioned this on the show. They did announce Reigns versus Lesnar for Blood Money in the Sand Six. They said it's only a title match if Reigns has the title.
1: Which yes, the, I noticed
0: that. Which does. First of all, that, that's how it should be right? Mm-hmm. That's how you should book it. It's a match anyway. And the truth is, we'll talk about it later. There's every reason in the world, in my opinion, for WWE to take the title off reigns before this match. Okay. And, and we'll get to it. Um, but I love the idea that that's possible. And we talk all the time about Brock Lesnar. He, it's, I love him in WWE. I hate him as a champion or a guy contending for the title. It's yeah. unnecessary at this point in his career and it's unnecessary for WWE. But yep. So so my point is, Chris, there's not much fallout that we can really talk about here other than to say, I think overall, top to bottom, I like what they gave us. I was way happier in what we got on Raw than what we got on SmackDown, because a lot of the stuff that happened on SmackDown, it just felt messy. It felt like they didn't book it as cleanly as they normally do. And every Bloodline storyline on SmackDown, from the start of Roman Reigns' return all the way up until this past Friday to me has felt clean. It's felt like something
1: that's been well thought out. This one did not feel well thought out. No. And, but if you're going to, I I don't hate the idea of, Hey, at the moment champions can kind of visit both brands. Biggie used to be out in SmackDown anyway, and, you know, have some matches in it. It kind of be fine. And you, you, Something happens on SmackDown to build it up for Raw. Something happens on Raw to build it up for SmackDown. I'm okay with that. Like, like I'd like some things to be announced ahead of time. I think AW maybe announces too much. They announce the entire card like two weeks out. While WWE announces almost nothing. I think I'd like a middle ground there. It should literally up... be a, the direct middle ground. I agree. Yeah. Yes, and so we 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 kind of got that here with the bloodline new day stuff so
0: we do of course still have the wwe extreme rules ultimate preview coming up but first we need to get into the good the bad and the ugly i just want to clarify before we start this segment um I did not like SmackDown this week. I've, I've said it a, a few times uh, already. <laughs> I just wanted to you know, remind you one more time before we start. There's going to be a lot of bads and uglies uh, for me. Um, the ugly, actually, I think the only ugly I have is for Raw, but there's going to be a lot of bads on SmackDown. Just, just a forewarning for everyone. Uh, all right. So we'll start with Raw because it was the, we had a title match on the show. The Women's Tag Team Championship, Natalia and Tamina against Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. There was an extremely uncomfortable segment With Nikki and Rhea promoting Connor's Cure live in front of the crowd, Rhea completely forgot her lines and froze. I've said it a ton of times already. Ripley is pretty damn good at speaking naturally. She is terrible reciting lines. There's no reason to have her do it when she can speak normally. There was no reason to do this live in front of the crowd when it could have been taped. There's no reason to have Ripley speak when Nikki could have handled the entire thing. Tape it backstage. The goal in business, any business, my job, your job, manufacturing, WWE, it's for the creative team, the bosses, the people in control to put people in the position to succeed. WWE actively put Ripley in a position here to fail. And it was ugly. As far as the match goes, the champions quickly hit the heart attack uh, homage for a near fall. Tamina hit Nikki with a Samoan drop, but Nikki got her knees up technically, but not really on a super fly splash. Ripley took Tamina out with a senton at ringside, then hit a rip tight onto the ring apron on Tamina. Nikki countered a sharpshooter with an inside cradle and got the one, two, three in literally two minutes. <laughs> Everything, Chris, about this sucked. The title win was completely telegraphed because they dedicated the match right. <laughs> to kids of course we're going to win the titles when they dedicate the the match to sick kids. Why not do that promo after the match? You know, you do the video before, you have the match, you have Nikki grab the mic, she dedicates it. This was for you. The crowd cheers. Okay, that's just one part of it. They weren't even allowed to fucking wrestle. It's a women's tag team title match. The titles have not been defended in like 115 days. Partially because Natalia was legitimately injured and and I was okay with them keeping the titles on them. But they finally have a title match and it lasts two minutes. Everything about this sucked. It was the third women's match in a row on Raw that lasted two minutes. The fourth in WWE this week that lasted two minutes. I don't care if you guys listening are happy that the titles changed. I was too, sure, I guess. This was pathetic. It also ignored the fact that Shotzi and Knox never got a title match, despite beating the champions three different times in non-title matches. I think at least one, maybe two, that were called championship contenders matches. Ugly, double ugly, worse than ugly.
1: Zero point
0: zero. Zero.
1: Okay. I'm... Zero,
0: Mr. Blutarsky. I had to give the double. I'm sorry, Chris. No,
1: right. I, I see. I. I... I don't hate it as much as you do. All of your points are correct. I don't need to repeat all of them. They should have gotten more time. Storyline didn't totally line up, considering when and titles are are and are not defended. But I do like Nikki, ASH, Nikki Ash, and Rhea Ripley winning the titles.
0: I do too. That's why this was so bad. Right. That's exactly why it was so bad.
1: I wanted to get that out there because this is a thing that's only been going on for like a month and they were kind of randomly put together after the Charlotte stuff, but they seem to have some chemistry. People got into it. And so I appreciate WWE just going with it and be like, all right, we're going to give them the titles because this is interesting. They, they, they so often don't do that when we have a new random tag team put together that we really like. It often just takes a long time for something to happen with them because tag titles, Don't change hands a lot. But with the women's titles, you can because there's not much there. And so I'm giving it a bad, not an ugly because I was at least happy with the result because I do like these two together. Didn't save it. Sorry. No, that's fine. I'm not saying it's a good. It didn't save it from ugly. It didn't save it from ugly. It was. Go ahead. I'm I'm interrupting you. I just wanted to acknowledge that. I liked the decision they made. I hated everything about the process to get there.
0: I apologize for interrupting. You're allowed to have your own opinion, <laughs> even when it's very wrong. Um, look, I'm very happy they won the titles. I just want to clarify. We don't need we don't need to argue too
1: much about the. No, we don't. No, no. no, no. I, just <laughs> I
0: just want to clarify. I agree with you that I'm happy they won the titles. They needed to do something different because they needed to move on from Natalia to Tamina basically doing nothing, right? And I like them as a team. It's giving Ripley. Something to do while she's not in the title picture. And by the way, Rhea Ripley has now won every women's title in WWE with the exception of the SmackDown Women's Championship (laughs) and the NXT Women's Tag Team titles, the latter of which she'll probably never win unless she goes back to NXT. Um, But look, everything with Ripley, it's been like one thing that's really good. The crowd gets behind her. One thing that's really bad. It's back and forth. They can't figure it out. They're nailing Bianca Belair over on SmackDown. And they are just failing with Rhea. She's still over. I love that she's over. That's how good she is. But they're failing with the way they treat and book her mm-hmm. on Raw. The booking of this entire thing was garbage. The women's wrestling that we got on Raw was absolute garbage. And this was the worst out of all of them because it was a championship match that they couldn't give five freaking minutes to. They gave two. I think it was less than two. It was ugly. Period. We're moving on. If it's bad, if you say bad, that's fine. I respect your opinion. It's wrong. It's okay. Um, we don't need to talk about it anymore. Randy Orton fought AJ Styles. Let's talk about the opposite of ugly. Uh, Riddle interrupted Orton while he was listening to music, rambling on about spirit animals. Orton told Riddle to save his story to distract Omos during the match, as he focused on breaking AJ's ribs, like he broke MVP's ribs. I should note here, also MVP's out of action for uh, in- indefinite, I guess, amount of time with kayfabe broken ribs from a RKO from uh, Orton last week, MVP tweeted that he is having knee surgery. I believe in other stuff. he He's all messed up, banged up. The, so the I Kane's feel like- a, The cane's a shoot. The cane is a shoot. Oh, yeah, yeah. The cane's a total shoot. Uh, it's been a shoot. I mean, he, he had a bad knee. He hurt it in WWE. He got it back to the point he could wrestle, uh, you know, occasionally. And now he's just like, I got to have surgery on it. So he's gone. Um, they still did a good job of Lashley on the show. But MVP- gone for a little bit. He also teased, and I know I'm in the middle of talking Randy Orton and AJ Styles, but I didn't want to forget. Uh, MVP also tweeted a picture with him on a plane sitting next to Shelton Benjamin, and he said talking about business. And (laughs) dude, wouldn't it be great if MVP comes back, maybe Lashley
1: loses to Big E and he's down in the dumps a little bit and reforms the Hurt Business? Do it, man. Big E was on, I think, the bump or something after he won the title. And he talked about how much he loved the Hurt Business and he really wants to do you know, new day versus her business in this form now. And I think that'd be a great idea. So I, I really hope for that.
0: So anyway, I went off on a tangent, but that's the MVP update. Uh, anyway, uh, back to Orton and Riddle. Uh, Orton almost broke into laughter. He thanked Riddle for the new headphones that he got him as a gift. Uh, as for the match, Orton got Omas ejected for interfering at ringside. Styles hit Orton with a phenomenal forearm outside. Later, Orton tried to counter one into an RKO inside. Orton later knocked Styles off the ring ropes when he tried another one, hit a draping DDT, and added an RKO for the one, two, three. This was a tremendous match that probably should have followed the six-man opener to keep people invested in Raw. Instead, they did, mm-hmm. I think, Eva Marie and Dewdrop in between them, which was really not smart from a booking standpoint. But this match was great. Um, it could have gone either way. I would have been okay if Styles won. I would have been okay if Orton won. You could actually make an argument, Styles maybe. Should have won to give a little bit more juice to the pay per view match, but it's actually irrelevant. This was very good. I think I went three point five stars in a B. You could argue higher, and I'd probably accept it. It was
1: very, very fun, it, very entertaining uh, television match. No question. Yeah, I mean, we got we got Randy Orton versus AJ Styles on a television match with a you know with, with that kind of finish. I, I mean, talk about again. That's three marquee matches on this episode of Raw that they gave you. And, and, and again, that's exactly the kind of thing they need to be doing more. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good setup, fun, natural stuff. And and just just appreciate that we got Randy Orton versus. They, they They mentioned that it was a former WrestleMania match. I would have loved for them to pull clips from that like they've been doing. Like, hey, remember years ago when these guys had this match? I think that would have been a, 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 a nice little thing to add on to it to, to add some kind of um, history to the matchup. But yeah, overall, good stuff. There was this thing they did a
0: couple weeks ago. Maybe it was at a SummerSlam or whatever, where WWE started like, hey, remember this history about yeah. these people that are about to fight? Mm-hmm. And it was great. And we praised it here. And then the next week they
1: stopped doing it. They did it at Money in the Bank. I know when I was there and then they did it like a couple weeks after that. And then, yeah, it kind of I mean, they reference stuff like that, but I, it's, it's its still of just it, it it adds. It's a little thing that really adds a lot
0: wwe does stuff like that all the time where they'll try something new it'll either work or not and then like whatever the opposite of my thought is they keep it or don't keep it like championship contenders match they tried i'm like these are terrible stop it they still do them uh these little video packages that we're talking about we you and i both love them and they stopped doing them so it's it's just very funny all right anyway keep going uh nia Jax and Shayna Baszler are also from raw we're, we're going on a string of raw here uh They talked trash uh, with Baszler being aggressive before their match. This was a scheduled match, I should say, uh, coming into the show. Uh, And then like 30 seconds into the match, maybe in a minute, whatever, Baszler choked Nia Jax's ass out with the Kirafuda clutch in like two minutes. Baszler continued to beat the shit out of her outside the ring. Then she put Jax's hand into one of the handles of the steel steps and stomped on her forearm in like a really gnarly spot. Jax cried and begged for Baszler to stop. At one point, she was like, Shayna, stop, or like, Shayna, no, or something like that. But like real, like not like crappy, like I just did it. Uh, then she, Basler takes Nia Jax's hand, turns it inside out, and she's like having second thoughts about what to do. You know, Jax is begging her not to do anything. Basler changes her mind, stomps on her hand right on the steel steps. And Jax like convulses and starts screaming in bloody murder. The fans wanted to boo, but they hate Jax. So it's heel on heel. They weren't really sure what to do. But Baszler looked incredible. Jax sold like hell for her, mm-hmm. which was great. The match easily, of course, I wish could have gone on four five, six minutes just to give us some wrestling. But in this respect, the idea was to put Baszler over exceptionally strong and make it look like if Baszler wants to at any time, she could have taken Jax out. She was just holding this side of her back for all these months and for the better part of a year, or maybe even longer than a year. So they put Baszler over super strong. I'm gonna take that. We're gonna see where this entire thing goes, but Basil looked cool as hell. This was very good in a vacuum and Jax gave us another sound drop. Now, I don't have it. I didn't cut it yet. So we'll add this one. But she's done some really funny shit with like not being on the mic outside the ring recently. And as much as we crushed her, for the, the Charlotte Flair stuff. And she was absolutely terrible in that. Nia Jax deserves a lot of credit. She was incredible in this.
1: Yeah. and, and, and I mean, the, the Shayna versus Nia, you know, first blow off match we got on this Raw. I mean, th- again, there were just a lot of important and notable matches happening on this show. And, you know, it would have been so typical of them to have their breakup and then say, I'll see you at Extreme Rules and then do it there. But they're giving it to you on TV and they're giving you a a, a consequential, consequential finish. And Shayna looked awesome, which we've wanted forever. Nia sold great. And I'm interested to see what happens next. This is it, it was a short segment. I know that's been a problem. But if 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 you're going to do short matches, but have important stuff happen outside of it, then, you know, then that works. And that's what they did here. Indeed. Uh, now let's stay with the women. Go over to SmackDown, where Naomi steps up to Sonia Deville,
0: real pissed off about not having a match since joining the brand three weeks ago. She ran down all of her credentials, got all the way in the face of Sonia Deville, and demanded competition as Deville got backed up all the way backwards into a road case. This was fantastic. Naomi showed some edge for the first time in a long time, it made her feel like a big deal. It was later announced that she was fined for insubordination. It was one of the best things. It was very short, little backstage thing. It was one of the best things on SmackDown Friday night. This was really, really good.
1: It, It was. And I love kayfabe fines. Like I just, there needs to be kayfabe money in these things. Like a win needs to just simply give you more money than losing. You need to be fined for doing something like Naomi did to Sonya. So it was great. Loving what they're building here. I think Naomi is getting a lot of support from it, but you really, really got to pay this off. Like, I, I'm, 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 I just think so many times about when they would do the same promo, or the same video package for three weeks, and four, then five, and then nothing really comes of it. Like, you got to pull the trigger here relatively soon so this doesn't get stale. But it was great on Friday. Naomi's awesome. Really hope. Uh, they do right by her, uh, where wh- wherever this goes next.
0: It really should be the angle to get Sonya Deville back in the ring. If you think about it, like that's mm-hmm. really what should happen here because Naomi was pissed off. I am pissed off. I'm pissed to the highest level of pustivity. And she was that. She was pissed to the highest level of pustivity, and it was great. Uh, now we had Kevin Owens against Happy Corbin. Ko cut a half baked promo in gorilla position. Corbin attacked him from behind before the bell and Choke slammed him into the ring apron. The match never happened. (laughs) This was bad. It was completely unnecessary. It didn't add anything to their feud. And just as I mentioned, because this was SmackDown with the Reigns entrance, it was something that happened on the show that they just could have not put on and given the time to the women's match or another match that was short. You don't need to throw everything on every week. We can go one week without seeing Kevin Owens and Baron Corbin.
1: Yeah, and especially because... At the moment now, there's nothing scheduled for extreme rules. Uh, you know, the 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 was it Logan Paul or Jake Paul? I think it was Logan Paul. Stuff Logan Paul. last couple of weeks was uh, really good. And and. Um, you know, him not being there, probably end up taking away from it a bit. And yeah, there wasn't really much to this. I'm going to give this one a bad.
0: Uh, uh, what did you did you give Naomi a good, I assumed, right? And yes, the Naomi was there. Okay. Totally yeah, totally good. Because uh, we have to be official with the designations. You we know, this do. Isn't we a, do this isn't a game. I mean, it is a game, but it's not a game. You know, it's, it's real. Uh, Rick Boogs versus Robert Roode also happened on SmackDown. Uh, Boogs hit his pump handle power slam for the win in like two minutes over a former NXT champion. Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz attacked Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura at ringside after the match. Crews said Nakamura is no king before demanding a rematch. And that was it. I love Boogs. OK, you guys know I love Boogs. I have no idea why WWE is booking him to win squash matches over former world and NXT champions. It doesn't make a shred of sense. He's Nakamura's second. He's not even the main guy in the team. He's not challenging for a title right now. It is so ridiculous. Then the attack, after weeks of Nakamura not having a challenger and all the people they have on SmackDown, we're getting basically a rematch that's going to happen this upcoming Friday on SmackDown. At least it's not on pay-per-view. Nakamura against Apollo Cruz. Again, I love Rick Boogs. I like him teaming with Shinsuke Nakamura. A two-minute win over Robert freaking Rude, an NXT champion, a multi-time tag team champion. Um, I think he's had some singles titles in WWE. I don't remember. This was really bad.
1: I mean, like... <laughs> Boogs is clearly more over than Nakamura, and I, the company knows that, and they're trying to put put more on, on Boogs for that. I don't hate him winning the match. I just wish it wasn't so much of a squash match, but this, this is a common theme with SmackDown, where it's, oh, I would have liked to see more of that. Instead, we only got two minutes. And so it's, I'm not giving it a good, I'm giving it a bad, but it wasn't like, it wasn't terrible. It was just kind of random. Also on SmackDown,
0: we had Dominic Mysterio against Sami Zayn. The third time this match has happened, I think in as many weeks or at least in the last month. Dominic got a couple near falls and hit the six one nine, but was too slow for on the frog splash. Zayn got his knees up, folded Dominic over as Ray was on commentary trying to coach his son to move faster. Sami trash talked Ray after the match. I just thought it was repetitive stuff. I like the idea of Ray trying to teach Dom. Dom not wanting his father. So involved in his career, but it feels like they're trying to do a storyline, like a split with one of them either turning heel or tweener, which is strange. I'll lean good on it because Sammy's a really good foil and they're clearly telling a story, but it's just repetitive. And that shit's this is what stuff like would happen on Raw. It's happening on SmackDown. Again, there were too many things on SmackDown. And because of that, other things didn't get enough time this didn't need to be on the show or if it was going to be on the show, it should have gotten more time to actually develop a little bit and create some real animosity between Ray and
1: Dominic. I mean, I feel like that's been the story for months now. I mean, go back to money in the bank. It was Ray's worried about Dominic. Dominic's trying to prove himself. Dominic's been on the roster for more than a year. Like he's not, he's not brand new to this. So, yeah, this is it's been very repetitive for a while. It's, it's the only storyline they can think of with Dominic and, and Ray right now. And just I'm going to give it a bad just because it was its kind of just the same old thing again.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't grade it. I just went on a rant about how important the grades are. And I, didn't even grade. No, I thought you
1: said it was pretty. I thought you said it was pretty good. I thought did you said I? you were getting really good. I thought you did. Maybe. I think, maybe think the, I
0: think the general I think the general I thought you said
1: it was good because Sammy's a good foil.
0: He is a good foil. Ah, I'm, I'm mixed. It's like one of those right on the line. I feel both. Like You're pretty convincing of it being bad. All right, whatever. I'll stay good if I said that. I thought I didn't say anything. So whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go back to something that was good. Angel Garza and Humberto Creo against M- Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. Garza yeah. and Creo, who are real life cousins, announced that family is stronger than any team. So they were linking up. Commentary also took the time to explain that they've been feuding for most of the year, but decided to align in the interest of each other. All of those notes are appreciated. Thank you. That those are the little things we're talking about just to make stuff mm-hmm. work. Okay. Gar- Garza got aggressive and threw Ali into the ring post so loud. It popped the crowd. Ali is so good at doing that. The cousins combined for this neck wrench. It's it's a move. I don't know what, what it's called, but a neck wrench uh, with a basement dropkick where like Garza dropkicked. I don't even like, I don't even know what you'd call it. Like the the top of the chest under the neck. Um, For the win, it was a great finisher. It was a little bit surprising to see Ali and Mansoor lose, given that they've been getting built as a team. I I would think that you'd want them to succeed, but it's tough to debut a new team and have them lose. Uh, So I thought this was good. I'd have liked another five minutes to the match because it was really exciting, but it was solid. And by the way, this was a very handsome match. Let's not get that lost here.
1: Oh, yeah, and they emphasized that early on. Four four very (laughs) good-looking... Guys, for whatever reason, Garza looked a lot better backstage than he does in the ring. It might be the shadows I, I don't know, but I had no idea him and Korea were cousins This was the first I'd heard of it i mean did you know well yeah, I watched n x t and also I just knew that creoke okay. is
0: actually a garza he's in the uh garza family, the famous mexican family
1: yeah okay that that's news to me. I thought that was actually really cool and I mean now you've got two really talented tag teams right there where you can really do something with that division. Now, um, if, if, if you want to, and, and yeah, you know, building up Mansour and Ali and then them losing is, is tough, but they did kind of hype up the, the tension between them at the time. I hope they don't break them up in a couple weeks and have a feud out of it. I think there's a really good opportunity to develop some really talented tag teams here. And uh, and do something with it. Because Carrillo's kind of just been floating out there. Nothing's really stuck. You put him with a personality like Garza. I think there's a lot of potential there.
0: It helps both of them. Look, from doing nothing to at least wrestling like this it's good. You know, I do think this will, of course, impact. And I hate to say it, but it's WWE. It'll probably impact Lucha House Party. They'll probably get moved over to a different brand, I would assume. But there is an abundance of tag teams already on Raw. There were, before the creation of Ali, um, and Mansoor and Garza and Creo, But now that they have all these teams, when this draft comes, moving a couple of them over to SmackDown and maybe throwing one team from SmackDown back to Raw, like Alpha Academy, for example, it could really freshen things up and create a pretty interesting tag team scene if they decide to actually go deep with it. I should also note, before RK bro and before styles and Omos, like there's a lot of teams that have been, I don't want to use the term thrown together, but put together recently that did not exist previously that are all really good and interesting. So WWE's tag team division after being depleted for a long time from a talent standpoint has actually been built up. The question is, are they going to build up the titles and are they going to start using them and featuring them frequently to give raw credit? They've not only been featuring the champions and the the main event tag team storyline, They've been having a lot of lower card tag team matches on Raw and they've been telling storylines with them. So, you know what? Credit where it's due for Raw for that type of stuff. OK, uh, mm-hmm. Dewdrop and Eva Marie fought. They ran this for the third time, though. I guess it's only the second time officially because uh, the first match never started. Eva said she's not into shaming. She didn't say body shaming, but shaming. But then she showed off her body and called Dewdrop a mess, saying girls like Dewdrop can never beat women like her. Eva kept running away from Dewdrop who eventually caught her and had the exact same 30 second combination of moves that happened last week in the match for the win. Presumably this is the end of the storyline, which is great news, but was there really no other promo Eva could have cut without like directly referencing Dewdrop's body or weight or whatever the case? this was bad. Um, I'm I'm hopeful for Dewdrop long term. I still hate the name. It seems like they actually like her and want to push her, but she needs to get away from Eva Marie. They got to change up whatever this is.
1: Yes, I I, I was concerned when Eva started that promo that they were going to really lean into it. Instead, she tried to allude to things. And yeah. I really liked the way Drop didn't sell it. Like when Eva was like, you look the way you do, uh, Drop then smiles and does the thing with her hands and like, like leans into it and like you yeah, like whatever mm-hmm. who cares what you think yeah, right? yeah. L- like instead of just like being sad being mad ah, uh, lash out whatever so th- i mean that that's a sign of character a character's confidence and strength and that's what we needed from someone like dewdrop who is a powerful obviously we know she's much better than eva marie so it, it, it probably could have not dealt it at, at all but it's the setup eva getting squashed you know, I, I again, Dewdrop drop kind of handled that well. And so it was fine. I mean, I'm, I'm giving it a bad, but it was fine. Should not have been the first thing after the six man tag.
0: That was the biggest issue with it. Had it been a, another yeah. part in the show, it may have been received better like the 10 p.m. hour, um, but it just was the wrong place, wrong time. And I was done seeing it last week. They should have just done this last week with the little promo if they really wanted to do that um, and just kind of move away from it. Just get I'm done. I don't want to see it anymore. No, I more want to see you drop with
1: some of the there are a lot of really talented women on the roster. I want to see you yes. wrestle them because you yeah. is really talented. And if
0: and if you got to keep Eva Marie around, figure out a person for her to actually manage. And, and there's yep. plenty of women that you can figure something out for her uh, or a guy. It doesn't even have to be a woman. It can be a, a guy. Have, what happened to valets like or, or female managers like those were always really good and, and they get people over. She could get someone. Really over as a heel. Um mm-hmm. just put her with someone, do something. Uh Drake Maverick schemed up a plan using a net to catch Reggie and win the 24 7 title. R truth Tozawa, and Drew Gulak all failed, of course. Reggie escaped, jumped off a platform into the photography area, took a picture, and ran off. It wasn't great, but I did smirk, so I'll say good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 different at least from what we had been getting, so sure.
0: All right, and there was a vignette for Carrying Cross, didn't tell us anything new. I was hopeful after last week, they might take him in a new direction because we got that backstage promo. He was in a suit, he looked really good. But then at the very end of this vignette, they showed a graphic of him holding the helmet in the same stupid gear. So I know. like I was like, Oh my god, they're actually like listening. No, they're <sighs> listening. That's bad, I... ugly. You can picture everyone. one you
1: want. Yep. Looks good in a suit. Love showing the tattoos, like the promo backstage. Just change the damn ring gear, man.
0: The guy is a hitman, not a gladiator. I don't know why no, that's so exactly, hard to understand.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: He should be like the new version of APA by himself. A one-man, a one-man APA, you know? Just yeah, ridiculous. I don't hate this. And then lastly, and this may be coming to you as a surprise. I don't know if you know this, uh, but Eldred Ryan at Acme Tunes, A K M E Tunes, he tweeted me right before the show, uh, good, bad, or ugly on, quote, Bearcat, Keith Lee. So to give background for anyone who's not aware uh Keith Lee was in a dark match I think on Raw Monday night and he was announced by the ring announcers either as Bearcat Keith Lee or Keith Bearcat Lee something like that a new nickname for Keith Lee. Uh what it turns out is that the nickname is apparently referencing a wrestler from the 19 I think 50s Bearcat Wright who mm-hmm. did a lot with um kind of desegregating I guess wrestling or creating opportunities for black men. Um, You know, he won a title somewhere and like an independent promotion. I'm not very um, caught up educationally on Bearcat Wright, unfortunately. Uh, But someone, it's a clear reference to the past and history. But besides that, people got all up in arms. Oh my God, they changed Keith Lee's name and WWE ruins everyone and changes their gimmicks. So first of all, the name, I want to say straight up, even if it's not referencing Bearcat Wright or whatever, it's good. I don't, it's not bad. It's not ugly. I don't really care. Um, Limitless Keith Lee is a great name. Okay. It's better. Sure. I guess you can have multiple nicknames. Randy Orton is the Viper and the Legend Killer. There's been other people named after animals also. Uh, it's wrestling. Okay. Everyone in WWE, a lot of people in AEW as well have nicknames. The American Dragon, uh, the Voice of the Voiceless, um, you know, the Scottish Warrior, the Head of the Table, the The Demon. Uh, you know, it, it, it's literally like what wrestling is about. So if you want to give a big badass dude the name Bearcat, and it also happens to be a reference that he probably came up with um, to someone who's very important in the history of professional wrestling, especially for black performers, I have zero problem with it. The guy's name is Keith Lee. If they start start calling him Bearcat as a single name like Dewdrop, yes, maybe I would get yeah. angry at it. The guy's name's Keith Lee. Uh, I don't. You know, I'm not fond of his change in gear either, that he wears like a, a tank top, the the, the the straps in addition to like the bottom part. It's a minor change. Uh, did I love that they got rid of his music? No. Do I like his new music? Yes. So people get all up in arms about like WWE changing people from NXT to the main roster. Sometimes the changes are not worth getting upset about. Sometimes they are. Drop is worth getting upset about. Keith Lee being tweaked a little bit is not worth getting upset about. This is good.
1: Yeah, I, I, when I first saw the new name, I was like, "Oh, that's a little weird." And I saw a bunch of AW my AW people on my timeline just freaking out about it. But then I saw the reference to to Bearcat Wright, and I read the Wikipedia page, and I said, "Oh, all right, it, I, I'm going to assume Keithley had a role in kind of picking that name, and and that works." And yeah, it, it's if they call him Bearcat, then then yes, that's a problem, but. They haven't yet, so I'm not going to get upset until they do. And they didn't change his name. His name is Keith Lee. You know, they didn't name him Braun Breaker, you know, <laughs> something like that. Right, so right. It, 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 it's it's fine. Um, We'll see when he debuts. I, I The biggest issue with Keith Lee has just been the stopping and starting. And part of that is because he got sick and because there was other stuff going on. They clearly like him and have big plans for him. But stuff has popped up. You know where they might be a little nervous because it hasn't like worked out before. Like Finn Balor wins the universal title and gets hurt, and and stuff happened to Keith Lee, and sometimes it just happens. But until I fully see the presentation, I'm not going to judge it any more than that. I think a lot of the issues is just the stopping and starting, and a lot of that is just due to unfortunate circumstances.
0: Yeah, I mean if the if he comes out wearing like an animal on his head, you know, like uh, the equivalent of carrying Cross's warrior mask, his gladiator mask then okay, maybe I'll have a problem with it, right? I mean, that like, might
1: be cool. I mean, if he comes out with a bear on his head, that might <laughs> I be mean, pretty cool.
0: I mean, maybe, maybe, okay, maybe it would be cool. Okay, I'd have to see it. That was my point, right? If he his ring gear and he starts wearing fur, I'll be upset about <laughs> that, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But but for now, it's a name, and he's Keith Lee, and he's awesome, right? And like, there's stuff to get, there's so, mo- so many things to get worked up and angry about when it comes to WWE that are legitimate. There is no use in forcing yourself to get worked up over little things that really don't matter or are actually not a big deal. This I, is just, silly. People get upset so, about
1: We talked about this last week or the week prior whatever, about the just the AEW, WWE fan war that you just, you don't need to participate in if, if you don't want to. We try not to on the show. I, I got a friend who was DMing me last night, upset about Roman winning twice on Raw. And the guy didn't even watch the show. And he doesn't watch WWE anymore because he watches AEW only. I was like, man, if 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 you like AEW and we like AEW and you don't like WWE, just watch that. It's fine. You don't need to, like, try to tear down the other company to, to make it seem like that makes yours better. Just you don't need to get into that. I just I saw a lot of the AEW specific people reacting to the Bearcat Keith Lee thing. It's exhausting. We don't need to get it into is. That.
0: You know what? Exhausting is the right word because here's the truth. And I've said it so many times on this show. WWE NXT, just cause it's slightly different and AEW, they all do things that are good every week. They all do things that are bad every week. Okay. Now the proportionality of that may be completely different from one show to the next. And normally it is. We usually, we rail against Raw cause it's terrible. Uh, Smackdown, we're usually praising AEW. We usually praise NXT. We usually praise, but you know, depending on the week, sometimes I'm really positive about AEW. Sometimes I'm really negative about AEW. It just depends what they give me on television. Uh, You know, we try to be fair and equal across all brands, but when it's always negativity against WWE and it's always positivity for AEW, that's not just, that's just not being fair or accurate. It's just not because there's good things and bad things that happen on every brand, on every show and in every company. So Let's just make it super clear. Anyway, enough about all that. We're done with the main event. We're done with the good, the bad, and the ugly. I do not have a sound for this part that's coming up, but let's move into our WWE Extreme Rules Ultimate Preview. Isn't this the Money in the Bank Edition? Dude, it's. I just said, it's the Extreme Rules Edition of the Ultimate Preview. Let's get into it. Now, we do have a significant card for this show, but there are two matches in, not announced for Extreme Rules that could be announced for Extreme Rules. And because this is our ultimate preview and we do not know whether we're going to do a go-home show on Friday, that's to be determined. We usually only do those for major pay-per-views like Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, et cetera. Right now, we're not planning to do a go-home show on Friday. It is possible that we do. So let's briefly, Chris, discuss two matches that could be on the card, and then we'll talk about everything that is on the card. One of the matches that could be on the card is the rubber match between Seth Rollins and Edge. On SmackDown, Rollins hit the ring in a Puff Daddy silver suit, saying what happened to Edge last week was unfortunate and scary. Rollins said everything he did was legal and the fans were to blame for motivating Edge. Rollins then said he's not done with Edge, asking him through the camera if he's physically and emotionally capable of getting back in the ring. Rollins challenged Edge to one more match or promised to find him at home And attack him surrounded by his loved ones. This promo lasted way too long. Again, something that went longer than it needed to. And Rollins didn't actually give a reason for his challenge other than to say it was for his sanity. I did think it was a solid promo, but it feels like a forced rubber match when Edge just got sent out on a gurney last week. That's how you end a feud. It's not really how you just keep going to a third match and maybe bring them back two weeks later. So if they save this for down the line, maybe next week on the draft show, this is a big attraction match uh, to get people to watch SmackDown in addition to the draft, knowing that maybe these guys can be separated on different brands. I'd like that a little bit more. I think if they do it at Extreme Rules, it would be a bad decision.
1: Yeah, it it depends on what happens in SmackDown. It depends on the fallout we get on Friday. I think whether or not I want to see it on Extreme Rules or not, I spaced out during this Rollins promo. Like I was like watching it and then I, I, I like come back and I'm like wait, wait, this is still going on. What is he talking about? I got so lost. This was this was the kind of promo Seth would sometimes cut as champion that just did not work and he just like would go on way too long, the Triple H style type of thing. Did not like this promo. It's for the I I'm looking forward to the match. They they told a really good story. With the match at Madison Square Garden, you know now Edge coming back from being sent to the hospital two weeks later for for a match doesn't seem ideal. But I, I want to see Edge go to. I'm sorry. I want to see Rollins go to Edge's home and torment him like he promised. Like give yeah, me more too. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't think they will. Maybe they will. I mean, Beth Phoenix is there. I mean, maybe they could do something like give me g- give me a segment like that as opposed to just you know. Edge is furious. We're going to have a match at Extreme Rules. Like, I don't know. He, like, he brought that up. I'd like to think he brought that up for a reason. I hope they kind of go with it. So, I, yeah, I, lo-
0: I love that stuff. Samoa Joe has done that. I think Randy Orton has done that. Steve Austin <laughs> I love has that. done that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love when people like go to someone's home and, and do something. Well, like I, I, I like,
1: don't well, like know about Austin. I don't know about Austin. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not with
0: the gun, but I'm just saying in general, the, yeah. the idea yeah, yeah, of it,
1: yeah. it works. Uh,
0: now, if this match does happen, uh, I. I mean, I don't even know from a prediction standpoint who to pick. I guess I'd go yeah. with Edge just because you can't have Edge lose as much as he's lost and not come out on top at the end of this. So I'll say Edge if I need to make our prediction again. We don't know that the match is happening, um, but I'll say Edge will win when it is the third match, whenever
1: it does happen. I, I I really liked the way they finished it at SummerSlam and the promos. They both cut afterward being like, all right, we're done with this. Feud. <laughs> Me too. We're going separate ways. It was It was good stuff. So. I don't know how they ended. Who did you say you're picking? If they I guess haven't? Edge, I guess. I, I guess Edge, too, because just the, in this type of situation, the, if you got sent to the hospital, the face usually needs to win. So I'll Right, go Edge otherwise two. he'd
0: look pretty pathetic, unless they were going to keep him out for you know a number of months to only bring him back again at the Royal Rumble or something like that. I'm actually mm-hmm. pretty surprised Edge is not booked for you know Blood Money in the Sand Six. I figured an, a legend, yep. a name, they'd get him on that show. Maybe that's where this happens, by the way. I didn't even think about that there you go maybe this match happens on that show so Mm. um that would be another reason to pick edge but okay whatever we're doing this as if it's on extreme rules and let's keep going because we don't know that this match is happening we also don't know whether there's going to be a wwe championship match a E against bobby lashley possibly in a chairs match given the finish to raw could they run it on raw next week yes could they run it at crown jewel yes could they run it on Extreme Rules? Yes, they could. No matter which way it goes, you have to have Big E win, because if not, you're changing the title. So uh, that's my thought, and that's my prediction.
1: That's my pick, too. I, I I do look forward to a longer Big E-Lashley match. I mean, we only got a quick cash, and I'd, I'd love to see these guys slap meet for 20 minutes or something like that, so... um whenever it happens, like you said, I I am also picking Biggie.
0: Yeah, and I'd like it to happen again, and with especially one of the good reasons for it to happen now is because you have the draft. So maybe you take Lashley off SmackDown, right? Um, mm-hmm. So so that's why I would love to kind of have it happen. Biggie get the win. You don't have to worry about retribution from Lashley. Like he moves on and and it's over. But we'll see. Let's get to the matches that are actually on the card. One, two, three, four, five, six. We got six of them to break down out of the gate here. And we'll start in the low card and work our way all the way to the expected main event. Uh, Liv Morgan is going to fight Carmella in a singles match. Let's talk about how we got there. Uh, On SmackDown, we had Liv Morgan and Tony Storm against Carmella and Zelina Vega. This is the two two minute women's match that I mentioned earlier from SmackDown. Storm was introduced as the wild child of the 80s. Just a stupid fucking gimmick. She didn't even get her entrance on television, so you couldn't even hear the music to kind of put that over. Carmella took a face shot into the turnbuckle by Morgan and decided to leave the match, purposely getting counted out in two minutes, which is the exact same booking I think they had for Mandy Rose and NXT a couple weeks ago. Morgan grabbed the mic, challenged Carmella one-on-one at Extreme Rules, promising to make her look as hideous on the outside as she is on the inside. Carmella accepted the challenge in the training room with Zelina saying she wants Morgan and Morgan needs to go through her first. And that match is going to happen this Friday on SmackDown. The challenge made sense because we have a storyline with the two, but we've barely seen it on television. And this match, if you can even call it that, was pathetic. It was Diva Zero's booking, the most yeah. shallow storyline you could create. Belair did main event the show. OK, but this was the only match on SmackDown. How do you have Tony Storm and not let her wrestle? They literally booked a two-minute tag team match with a purposeful countout. What the hell is that? Raw last week had three women's matches, all of them with storylines, all of them given plenty of time. Meanwhile, on SmackDown, the women's match gets cut from the 9-11 show with Zelina Vega there wanting to honor her father by wrestling in Madison Square Garden. Then they give us the match this week, and this is the booking. They can't even be bothered to treat the women with respect on SmackDown. This is not the good, bad, and ugly segment, but I initially had it in there. This was ugly, straight up ugly.
1: Yes, uh, uh, 100%. I mean, especially the Tony Storm stuff. I mean, Jesus. I... (laughs) I mean, I mean, guess, do we make a pick? I don't have much more to add on what happened on SmackDown, but do we make, do you want to make a pick now? You can go ahead. Uh, pick is Liv. They, they yeah. kind of told the story for a while. Liv actually beat Carmella Black before Money in the Bank when they were setting that up. Maybe now this is kind of the push forward for the Liv character, so that is the pick.
0: I mean, I don't even know what happens if Carmelo wins. Like, I, m- I may lose my mind, right? Like Liv Morgan <laughs> has to win this match. People are behind her. The crowd likes her. They want to see her wrestle. She's also a face. So if Becky beats Bianca Belair, which is certainly possible, and the heel remains champion, you need to set up another face because you cannot do, uh, you know, Bianca Belair three times really technically kind of against Becky Lynch, or you shouldn't at least do that. So yes, I have Liv Morgan winning. That's all I want to say. Let's keep moving on. The SmackDown Tag Team Championships, the Usos against the Street Profits. Now this is something that happened on SmackDown. We didn't talk about it with the rest of the Bloodline stuff, but the Street Profits cut a promo backstage. They said a lot of things that didn't really fit together and then promised the Usos would lose their titles. We don't really need to discuss that. I just wanted to point it out because it did exist in a vacuum. As far as the match goes, uh, look, the Street Profits haven't been great since moving to SmackDown. They had their title run that lasted for a while where they beat a lot of the same teams. Then they dropped the titles. Montez Ford got hurt. They haven't really been on screen. And when they have been on screen, they've largely lost. Uh, You have this entire bloodline storyline going on. You have the Usos calling themselves the ones um, with Roman as the champion. There is no reason whatsoever to change the titles. So I don't know how you do it. I hope it's clean. Uh, I think it's going to be a great match if it's allowed
1: to go. And if it's given time, the Usos should win and retain the titles here. This is, I feel like, it's almost a block. This is going to be the match of the night. I, I really, I'm really looking. I, I, these guys had that match a couple of weeks back on SmackDown or something like that. And it was awesome. And, and yeah, I'm expecting a lot of fun from these guys as for the winner. I think it's more up in the air than you do, but you know, cause they clearly really like the street profits. But I think in the end, well, I, I mean, we'll get into the final match, but if you think there's, if if you think Roman can lose his title, I do. Why don't you? Think, why don't you think the Usos could?
0: Um, it creates an interesting dynamic where they're champions and he's
1: not. I think it does, but I, I don't think that's by far a, a, a guarantee. By I think I think gonna, if you're
0: going to have the bloodline lose all their titles in one night, it's not at Extreme Rules.
1: Sure. No, and I, I'm I'm picking the Usos, but I'm also we'll get into the championship.
0: I also match, haven't but. picked, I haven't picked Finn Balor in the main event
1: yet. We have not, but you alluded to it earlier. That I said it could. Well, I gave, it I've could. given many reasons why it should happen. The question is, yes. do I think it will happen? My, my no, pick especially. here is Uso's as well, but I certainly think the street profits can win. And I'm really, I, 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 I'm really looking forward to this match.
0: It's going to be a good match. I think personally you saying it could be the match of the night. I, they're not going to give it enough time for it to be the match of the night. And, We do have Roman Reigns and Finn Balor and we have Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair on the
1: card. So, Well, we'll get get to that, but also this should open the show.
0: This should open the show. I agree with that 100%. Uh, United States Championship match, Damian Priest defending against Sheamus and Jeff Hardy in a triple threat match. Now you may be wondering how that happened. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you how that happened on Raw. We had Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus with the stipulation that if Hardy won, he would earn a spot in the US title match. This did not make A shred of sense, because Hardy literally fought Damian Priest last week, one on one, in a title match and lost. So that match had no reason to happen, even though it was a U.S. Open Challenge. That wasn't really an open challenge. And then he gets another opportunity to contend for the title, which he already got a chance at and lost. Total mess. As far as the match on Raw, Hardy got his signature stuff in before Sheamus had a flying clothesline and a pump knee for a couple near falls. Hardy then dodged a bro kick and countered with the twist of fate, but Sheamus countered the swanton bomb with double knees and Jeff bounced off his knees. It looked super nasty and awesome. I just wanted to note that Hardy (laughs) found a way to fold Sheamus over and he got the win to enter into the match. Priest and Sheamus, the actual people feuding, brawled at ringside after the match. Despite me hating the booking, the match was extremely entertaining between Hardy and Sheamus and the brawl afterwards was a really good prelude to the match. So ultimately, Chris, I thought it was a good go
1: home moment. It was also Jeff Hardy won in that pin style that you almost never see work. Like it was a roll up that was so easy for Sheamus to kick out of and like Hardy put his hands on 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 Sheamus's hips and I was just expecting him to kind of like push through for the kick out like you always see. So when the 3 count came I was like, "Oh, I didn't know you could actually win with that, <laughs> that pin combination," which is good. You like they do all these you know, these roll-ups and reverses and stuff to pins that never end a match. And then this one did. And so that was good. Um I don't like Hardy being in this match. I I I I don't like Sheamus Priest happening in general, I think, but the whole point of this is cause you think Damian Priest is gonna be a star. Like, you know, you have him open raw a couple weeks back, like I just I need him to be involved in the majority of this match. I, I We can't have an extended Seamus Jeff Hardy thing. Maybe they think Jeff Hardy being in it will bring more attention to the match and therefore help Priest pick his priest. Obviously, I just hope I just hope he gets the proper shine because they keep throwing in people around him from time to time for things and they end up taking shine away from him. And so I just I hope that doesn't happen here. I, like, I hope we don't get something crazy from Jeff Hardy because it's Extreme Rules or something. And 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 we get some crazy Jeff Hardy stuff because that's going to, again, take away from what is supposed to be Damian Priest's rise.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this entire booking, adding Jeff Hardy is a make good for throwing him in the 24-7 title <laughs> chase two weeks ago. I think yeah. I think WWE, it's very rare that WWE changes booking even because of fan uh, backlash. But Jeff Hardy is so beloved yeah. that it just didn't make a shred of sense for that to happen. So they're just trying to find a way to get him in the match. Uh, I, They tried to make good with the title match uh, last week, and now, again, to put him in the match and give him another opportunity. It's just not good booking. It's really not. As far as what's going to happen, my presumption is that Damian Priest retains with Jeff Hardy being the fall guy. Takes a brogue kick, um, You know, Priest hits Sheamus with the the reckoning, then he hits Hardy with the reckoning, and and Hardy loses. Priest is going to retain. Priest has been extremely strong. He's undefeated Mm -hmm. as a singles competitor. I hope it continues. What's up?
1: Like, like, like have, I, I want, I want Jeff Hardy shaking Damien Priest's hand after this or, yes. or lifting his arm or something yes, like agreed. that. Like, like really, like if if you're going to have Jeff Hardy in this match, like really have Jeff Hardy help Damien Priest look good.
0: For sure. Let's move on to the Raw Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair against Alexa Bliss. We'll start with Raw. Alexa's playground with Charlotte was the featured segment. Flair didn't bring Charlie. So Bliss pulled the doll out and fans chanted for it. They literally chanted for Charlie. Uh, Flair said she wanted the old Bliss back, that Lily is more popular and Alexa traded winning titles for her doll. Charlotte wondered how she went from the main event of WrestleMania 35 to this shit. Bliss said all of Charlotte's wins have been followed by losses. She said she's no one without the belt and Charlie was actually a pity gift for her. Bliss called Flair narcissistic and self-centered. Charlotte like wooed, or there was a woo from the crowd, I forgot. And Bliss said that's not even Charlotte's. And Charlotte smacked back Well, it's not like Bliss is original, clearly referencing The Fiend. I thought that was perfect. There was also a remark about Ric Flair without Flair being mentioned. And considering the whole dark side of the ring thing that's going on, that's another story. Um, This was perfect. Charlotte booted Bliss, ripped the head off Charlie. But when she went for Lily, Bliss caught her with the DDT. When this was booked for Raw, I rolled my eyes. I thought we were headed for a complete disaster. But given the circumstances and given Bliss's gimmick, I actually thought this was quite solid as a promo segment and a really strong build for a pay-per-view match that put intensity and direct storyline into something that previously had none. For me, this was a
1: total winner on raw. Exactly. This was something that was corny and didn't really know how much anybody kind of just kind of felt in on it. But then we get that back and forth, which is felt like half a shoot, honestly, which was kind of, I'm sure kind of the point I like the line from Bliss saying you've won the most titles. That also means you've lost the most titles, which is good. That's what challengers should point out. And we got that intensity from Bliss and she sounded like a normal person. She didn't sound like this kind of weird character she's been doing. She's kind of moving in and out of that a bit. She's not the Bray Wyatt character she was even a month ago with spooky stuff necessarily. Now it's more about her personality and, and that kind of stuff. and. Yeah, this surprisingly did work. It was a bit long, but uh, yeah, this it, it got me a lot more excited for the match. And I, you think about back when Bliss was champion and how often we wanted more Bliss versus Charlotte. stuff. I don't even know if they ever had a title match or not back in that day. But I remember it was kind of a matchup. Everybody kind of wanted to see more of. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to this now in a way that I wasn't before that segment. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, Charlotte, Do you for see? the love of God, can Charlotte please retain a championship here? So here's the deal. So
0: I think there is a legitimate chance that Alexa Bliss wins the title. Uh, WWE starting, I think October 1st or, or maybe it's the week after, I'm sorry, it's the week after it's October 8th on SmackDown. I think they're going to be putting together this King of the Ring and I think that they're calling it the Queen's Crown tournament or something like that. Oh yeah. The giant um, Q logo. <laughs> yeah. Ahead of uh crown jewel. Uh, I think those the f- finals of those matches are going to be on the Crown Jewel show, the Blood Money and the Sand Six. So there is a reason to take the title off Charlotte and have her instead compete for a Queen's crown. Literally. Like it, yeah. it makes all the sense in the world. But I also personally would prefer WWE keeping the champions in the tournament, which would create the opportunity for the champions to maybe lose earlier than the final round and then. You'd be able to build new storylines off of that, considering both Flair Bliss and Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair could theoretically end at Extreme Rules. You're going to have a draft, new people on brands. There's all the reason in the world to kind of move forward with all of this. And I think with Bliss being champion, it kind of would pay off the gimmick a little bit, and it would create an opportunity for maybe someone like Shayna Baszler in this newfound heel role to eventually take the title off Bliss, almost use Bliss as a transitional champion. However... I don't think they're putting the title on Alexa Bliss, so my pick is Charlotte Flair.
1: <laughs> I, I'm like Queen of the Ring, Charlotte wing like it's meant for her. Like it would almost be weird if she doesn't win it. Well, there's but, so
0: many queens. I mean, in W, there's the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler, the Empress of yeah. Tomorrow, Asuka. I
1: mean, <laughs> but but like she's like Queen. Like I don't know. She's from the Queen City. They kind of. It makes sense for Charlotte. I hope they do it with her and champion. I just they they they've taken the title off of her the day after she won it last time. Her gimmick is, her gimmick is built for a long heel title reign. Like it it has to, like you have to drag this out for a long time with a long reign. But yeah, don't change the title. Please. <laughs> I don't think they should, but I, I don't think it's impossible. Uh, there's going to be a title
0: change on this show. It's either going to be this one or the main event. That's at least how I how I see it. Uh, hmm. Smack. SmackDown Women's Championship, Becky Lynch against Bianca Belair on SmackDown. The main event was Bianca Belair's homecoming in Knoxville, Tennessee. Becky Lynch backstage suggested that she might attend the main event segment. Glenn Jacobs, Mayor Glenn Jacobs, came out to the Kane theme to welcome Belair to the ring with 10 minutes left in the show. She said she'd take the title back at Extreme Rules and Kane gave her the key to Knox County. Then they sang Rocky Top, which... Oh boy. Come on. Like... I, I'm a I'm a Gator fan. I have to watch that on SmackDown. Are you kidding me? Um, Great song. So I loved when Becky interrupted it and mocked it. <laughs> of course, a very face move for Becky, as far as I'm concerned. Lynch tried to shake hands, but Belair grabbed her and nearly hit the KOD, which was obviously the counter of what happened at SummerSlam. Uh, Becky countered the KOD, though, into the manhandle slam one more time to stand tall in the finish. I thought this was OK. There was really nothing redeeming about it, Chris. But Belair did get a big ovation in front of the Knoxville crowd. But like people need to remember when the whole talk about Air and Knoxville, she was, you know, a, a track and field star there. Um, she wasn't really a, a big hometown. It's not a hometown. She's not from there. It was like her second or third college. So she didn't have this relationship with the University of Tennessee prior to starting in WWE, where it was some like big known thing that she was from there, such as Brock Lesnar with Minnesota. Right. It was more akin to Roman Reigns in Georgia Tech and Biggie at Iowa, where it's like they're from there, but you didn't really know that until it's pointed out to you, if that makes sense. They weren't major stars while they were in college. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. I I mean, for, for that to end the show was kind of surprising, but I don't hate the idea of just like Telling people how awesome Bianca Belair is and look at all these amazing things she did, like those those promo videos they did with her, those vignettes of her doing all the athletic stuff. That was some of the best stuff they've ever done with her. Um, So I I didn't hate it. I just was kind of surprised it was the main event show. Also, I would have loved following that up with Raw in at NC State University where Charlotte went to school and I think she played volleyball. Oh, I didn't even know that. I had no idea that happened. (laughs) She, she started at Appalachian state and played volleyball for, I think two years and then went to NC state. Um, <laughs> Amazing. And, and so they could they, like, not that Charlotte's going to get a hometown welcome, but she could have probably tied that into some sort of promo to, to get some heat on, on NC state. I just can't believe they've never there. mentioned that ever. I don't like how they never mentioned that Vincent man went to East Carolina, but that's a whole other issue. We'll well, who cares on. about that? But I mean, anyway, that doesn't matter. I I think it's cool, but he's a pirate. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, so um, I thought it was fine. I I'm, I I love when they hype up someone's college athletic career because we cover college athletics, so that was cool. But um, surprised it was the main event. But Becky again, two weeks in a row, good job of drawing a lot of heel heat, which is what we weren't sure she'd be able to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now the prediction for this match is actually tough. Like I, I, I it's easy for me. Like I know where I'm going, which is Becky Lynch retaining the title because. Why would you change it and then change it immediately back? I I guess you could, uh, but it feels like you would do it at a a bigger event than Extreme Rules. But I got to say, man, Bianca Belair is super over. So what's important about this match is not really who wins or who loses, but it's how it's booked and what the finish looks like. Because if, if Bianca loses in a really good match because of some underhanded tactics, um... Lynch rips her gear or, you know, something like that happens that kind of throws her off, then you get kind of the Drew McIntyre excuse out of the entire thing where it's like, ah, oh, this person screwed up and, you know, they're two goody two shoes and something like that happens. But if she just beats her clean, then that doesn't really look, make Bianca Belair look good. On the other hand, if Belair beats Lynch, it's like, then why the hell did you do that in the first place? And sure, it makes uh Bianca Belair look great but Becky Lynch is most likely staying on SmackDown along with Seth Rollins after this draft so she ain't going anywhere and then you just are continuing the feud maybe so I don't exactly know what you do here it's it's a WWE put themselves in a really difficult spot from a booking standpoint by doing everything they did with Becky Lynch at SummerSlam and the way they did it with her squashing Bianca Belair as opposed to that being a real match and having Belair lose, in which case you can then say, "Okay, she lost clean to like the number one woman in the entire company." So I do have Becky Lynch retaining here, but the prediction isn't really—it doesn't really matter. What matters most is the finish and how this match is booked.
1: Yes, uh, my my pick is Becky wins by cheating. Um, I, I I think you you're gonna you, you're not gonna want to. Lean into the
0: heel aspect, basically.
1: Yes, I I think they have to do that. Get some more heel heat on her for an eventual big triumphant moment from Bianca. Although, again, you're right. I don't know how the draft plays into everything. That kind of hangs over a lot with these picks and potential title changes. But I I think Becky wins by cheating somehow. I I don't think we get a a one month later triumphant return for Bianca like that. Um, I, I think that's how it goes.
0: All right, and let us get to the main event of the evening the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns versus the demon, Finn Balor, in an Extreme Rules match. So, on SmackDown, this is the part we left off. Uh, Belair, he was backstage. He explained the demon was a manifestation, uh, something he can't control that summons him when it wants. That's the same, by the way, explanation that it was in NXT. He told Reigns that. Balor is challenging for the title, but the demon will be the next universal champion. Then WWE used some graphics to transition his face into the demon makeup. It was a damn good promo, and it was maybe the best thing on SmackDown from top to bottom with the Naomi promo being the second best, if I'm being honest. Um, And then this was announced as an Extreme Rules match on Raw with a graphic. So before we go on to the match itself, Chris, did you have any thoughts about this promo and what happened on SmackDown?
1: Yeah, no, I like the promo. I like the explanation of the demon, which is something we talked about last week when I said, how exactly is that going to work? I know they explained it in NXT, but needed it more here. I was actually expecting him to say, you're challenging me as in not the demon. And that was going to be the way for Finn to lose. Uh, But looks like it's going to be the demon. So I'm, I'm very curious how this plays out. The changing uh the the changing of his face thing was interesting. I feel like they did it before a while back. They did. They did it when and he, he they, did the Halloween demon. Yeah. Uh, the match he, that never yeah, happened. And it, looked, yeah. and it looked against Sister Abigail and he was yeah. orange and it looked like he had like doggy ears. Like <laughs> floppy doggy ears it was so I'm so
0: glad that match never happened. Oh my
1: God. Yeah it was super weird. Um so that's what it reminded me of. Um it was a little corny but it was fine. It was good.
0: Okay, so let's get into the match quickly. Uh, look, the truth is this can go either way. Um, Roman Reigns has been champion for over a year at this point. He's coming up on a feud with Brock Lesnar. Uh, there's a draft coming up. Obviously, we assume he's going to stay on the SmackDown brand. You, If you're going to have Roman Reigns lose the Universal Championship, and it's not going to be the Big E, right, who already cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase over on Raw, you sit here and think, well, who's he going to lose it to on, on SmackDown? Or in WWE, who's going to be the one to beat Roman Reigns? And I can honestly only come up with four answers. Those answers are Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and Finn Balor. Because of the demon and because of the circumstances that we're being presented with now. There's others I could could have named. Uh, a Daniel Bryan, he's gone. Uh, Kevin Owens, his contract is expiring, apparently, at the end of the year, or January 2022. Um, Edge certainly seems a possibility he's in a totally different direction. And Rollins, but none of those are really, like, the legitimate name where you think, oh my god, this guy can actually beat Roman Reigns. So, if it's not going to be Big E, and we're presented with this really unique scenario right now, where WWE's changing, they're trying to inject some excitement into the brand, You have Lesnar with Reigns. You can maybe bring Lesnar into Extreme Rules, despite Heyman telling Reigns, as we mentioned earlier in the show, that he wouldn't be there, that he guessed he wouldn't be there. You have the match at Blood Money in the Sand 6 coming up with Reigns and Lesnar. There's every reason, honestly, to have Finn Balor, the demon, win the title here. On top of all of that, because you're bringing the demon back seemingly out of nowhere for this match. And if you weren't going to have Finn Bálor win, why create the excuse of the demon being the moniker that he has here if he's going to lose? Why not just have the man Finn Bálor lose? Yes, he lost on SmackDown, but the the circumstances of that, you know, weren't the cleanest and, and you know, he easily deserved a rematch. So because of all of that, Chris, while I think there's every possible reason for Roman Reigns to retain and I could give you a laundry list of all of those because of potential rock feud and um, because maybe Drew McIntyre and Lashley are going over to the brand blah 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 I could go on and on and on there's so many reasons for Reigns to retain I think I, I laid out a pretty damn good case on why Finn Balor should win the Universal Championship and because of what WWE's been doing recently the way they've been booking both SmackDown and Raw I think Finn Balor will
1: win the Universal Championship at Extreme Rules. You have laid out a good case. And Finn Bal- a, a new Finn Balor as champion on the heels of, of Big E as a champion as WWE is really seemingly trying to shake things up does make a lot of sense. And it's the Demon. And the Demon's only lost one time ever, I think, to Samoa Joe NXT. It's it's more than possible. I, but I'm not going to pick it. I think with, with, with Brock stuff coming up with survivor series coming up, I in, in potential rock feud of WrestleMania, I think with Roman, it's different than it was with Bobby Lashley. And in the end, they just, they don't take it off. I don't know if they know when they'll take it off Roman, but, I don't think they change it yet. I, I, you know, you mentioned you don't think the Bloodline could lose all their titles in in one night. I, I think it's more likely the Usos lose than than Roman loses, but but both are possible. But I, I'm gonna go Roman. I just, I think I'm until there's a clear, obvious story setup. I'm not gonna believe Roman can lose until he does. I, I mean, I mean, it's possible, but I'm not gonna pick it.
0: And that's fair, too, because while Balor has every reason to win with this character, there's not really the strongest storyline of why he would him beating Reigns would be overcoming this massive obstacle. I mean, we do know we're not I'm not saying there's no storyline because there is there was he was going to challenge Reigns at SummerSlam. John Cena stole his spot. Balor vowed to win the title anyway. And it was this is a long term story, longer term, I guess, than many WWE storylines, but it's not like the Kevin Owens storyline, where Owens, if they had him beat Reigns for the title, that pop, you know, if it was in front of fans, Mm -hmm. which it wasn't, that pop would have been absolutely massive. I also look that we just got two really big pay-per-views in a row with welcoming fans back, Money in the Bank and SummerSlam, and both were built extremely strong with matches that were going to pop a lot of people. If WWE wants to keep that momentum, this is how you do that. You change the title. And if WWE wants to keep the momentum of we're heading in a not new direction necessarily, but a more exciting direction, we're trying to book things to engage fans and get them excited. This is a way to do that. There's no saying that Roman Reigns Reigns can't in December... Um, or January, win the title back and still be the WWE champion and main event WrestleMania as the champion and all that type of stuff. In fact, I do think if Balor wins, it's very likely that Reigns gets a rematch at a Night of Champions or at a Royal Rumble, wins the title, and he's a champion going into WrestleMania. But given the way this has been done, and also, Chris, given how carefully they're not only booking Roman Reigns, but everyone Roman Reigns fights on SmackDown. Think about Edge and Brian and Owens and all that type of stuff. It makes me believe for a guy without any real challengers remaining, even if new ones are about to come over, you take the title off him now and you allow him to get into this Lesnar thing, sink his teeth into that. You allow him for, hey, you know what? Survivor Series is two months away. Even if you put the title on Balor now and you have Reigns win it back. The second Friday before Survivor Series, that way we do get Reigns versus Biggie, but Balor still gets a two-month reign as the champion. There are so many ways that you can make it work for there to be the title change. I, that is the direction I'm leaning in. Um, I won't be disappointed. Just like I said at the other pay-per-view, I forgot if it was NXT or AEW or WWE, where I said, like, if they don't do something, I won't be disappointed. You know, uh, maybe it was AEW, I think, right? With the Kenny Omega. Yeah, question it was whether match. it was
1: whether or not somebody it was whether or not Daniel Bryan would show up at the That's end. That's what it was. Time.
0: Right. I said everyone's expecting Daniel Bryan. But if Daniel Bryan doesn't show up, I'm not going to be disappointed in that moment. I'm not going to be disappointed in the moment if the demon Finn Balor loses, as long as it's booked well, because you have this demon character who's only lost one time ever. And it was to Samoa Joe, either in a Steel Cage match or a ladder match, I forget which one, on NXT. So there were reasons for it. This being extreme rules and reigns beating the shit out of the demon that that's really not an excuse. So if he loses, I loses, I hope it's booked well, but I am going to stick with my prediction of valor being the new universal champion.
1: I'm also a little concerned. The last two Roman main events at pay-per-views have been that long drawn out WWE style that they basically stopped doing during the pandemic because there weren't fans in the crowd. So I'm guessing we probably get one of those again. And I don't love that idea, but I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, Hey, Roman loses the title. Now wins it back in a few months, can take it in a mania and be fine. I agree. That's what they did in the attitude Era for that kind of stuff. I would love to see that. I, I just, I won't believe it till I see it specifically with Roman because of what we know he means to that company and Vince and everything and other plans that they have for him. But it's exciting to not know. I mean, the last, this goes back to what we opened with. The last two weeks of WWE TV have led you to believe again that anything can happen. And that, that takes you into extreme rules, thinking this is possible now. And that's exciting. And that's why I think, WWE, over the last couple of weeks, maybe they're not telling the deepest or biggest stories, but stuff is happening. Unexpected stuff is happening. And that's an exciting feeling. And I think that's a good feeling to take into Extreme Rules.
0: It is. And I am excited for this Extreme Rules pay-per-view. I totally failed to mention, by the way, at the top of the show, that for WWE Extreme Rules, as soon as it goes off the air, we will have our instant analysis podcast here on getting over. I, I don't know why I forgot, but Right after it goes off the air, Chris and I sit down, we crack open a beer, we tape the instant analysis of the pay-per-view, we post it, we try to get it before midnight, but oftentimes pay-per-views go late. We try to get it before 1 or 2 a.m., but we'll have a podcast for you breaking down everything that we thought uh, and whether we were correct or incorrect on our predictions once Extreme Rules goes off the air. Chris, let's wrap up the show quickly. Also something I almost forgot to do before it just popped into my head. Ooh. We need to set our pre-show expectation grades for WWE Extreme Rules. I normally let you go first, but we are trying to be expeditious with our time here. Uh, look, I think it's a really strong card. I think it has an opportunity to be a really good show, but it is lacking in certain areas. Um, I'm gonna go with a... B plus expectation grade, which is generally the grade. I very rarely expect the show to be an A. I think the last time I was even in the A range for something was like Money in the Bank or SummerSlam. And those were very unique occasions with really strong cards. This card isn't necessarily strong enough for me to go that high, but a B plus is where I start when I believe a show has the opportunity to be
1: an A show, but it just doesn't look like one on paper. So that's my grade a B plus. I'm between... B and B plus because I didn't pick any champions to lose, so that obviously plays a role. That's in the difference right there. Yeah, right. But I'm gonna go B plus just because we haven't had a bad WWE pay per view in a in forever in a year plus. They they, they they've they've nailed the pay per views. Even uh, obviously Money in the Bank was big. Summer was a big show. The last two have been big shows. This is not a big show. The Survivor Series in Brooklyn will be a big show, but they're on such a good roll with pay-per-views. I I'll, I'll go B+. Plus. And one other thing we need to talk about the show, and one of the drops, this is this is not the horror show at extreme rules. I I think that's another drop maybe we should bring back for the post show or something like that. It's not what? What did you say? Something we should bring a, a drop we should bring back for the post show or something like that. The, the Bailey that will be a horror <laughs> it's show. There we go. There like we go. We have.
0: I was trying to get you to prompt me, not explain it a second time. But yes. Oh, okay.
1: I, <laughs> no, I got it's all good. You. I got you. Yes, it is. I, it, yeah. is
0: it is not. It's going to be a horror show. <laughs> How like that? I do not expect, Chris, this to be a horror show. Thank God they are not using monikers for pay-per-views anymore now that we're out of that era. And thank God they're not using one, especially for this show as well. Uh, We will see, by the way, if those matches we discussed earlier get added to the card. We will see if there are any additional stipulation matches, given it is Extreme Rules, and we only have one, and it was announced with a graphic on Raw. They didn't even make a big deal about it. Um, Look, we got a lot to come here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast this week. Let me tell you what is coming up. We will be back on Thursday with our full breakdown of AEW. We'll be talking Dynamite and Rampage, as well as the second episode of this new version of NXT that I'm still cautiously optimistic about, but we'll see what happens this week now that they're not in the debut stage anymore. On Friday, we do not have a podcast scheduled right now. However, if SmackDown is insane for some reason, and there's a lot of storyline development, we may do a last minute uh, WWE Extreme Rules Go Home show, but again, that is not planned as of right now. However, Sunday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, We will be live on Twitter spaces. You need to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. We will have a live 30-minute pre-show that will conclude before the kickoff show for WWE Extreme Rules. So follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast and you'll be able to listen in and sometimes even contribute live on that 30-minute show where we break down the entire card before the pay-per-view begins. And then Sunday night, as soon as Extreme Rules goes off the air. Hopefully the Monday, the Sunday night football game is also over, Chris. Uh, but as soon as Extreme Rules goes off the air, we will have an instant analysis pay-per-view podcast for you, as we always do, the signature show here at Getting Over, our last three instant analysis podcasts, all within our top five most listened to episodes of all time. That is so incredible, and I appreciate you guys for making that happen. Before we get out of here, of course, I would be remiss if I did not remind you that Getting Over it's all about so leave those five star ratings and reviews on apple Podcasts. tell people why you love the show and tell them you especially love the instant analysis episodes so that way if they happen to read your review before extreme rules they have a good reason to subscribe to the podcast download it and tune in sunday okay that's it it was a long show today we did have though a lot to talk about for vintage chris vanini This is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. We will see you on Thursday and then again on Sunday. Hey, possibly Friday too, we will see. But for now, I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.